We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. We are now in uh, page 6 of the Kandelvi book, Sins and Conflicts of Companions, radiallahu anhum, was for a completion of deen. Likewise, some companions, radiallahu anhum, felt no guilt at the time of committing major sins, whereas the great spiritual masters, Mashaikh, could not even imagine committing such sins. Though the greatest of spiritual masters cannot reach the level of the lowest ranking of the companions, anhum, the narrations which mention the sins of the companions anhum, did not incite me to object against them. It was the blessed company of my elders and also the study of a hadith that preserved my faith in the companions. Anhum. Okay, so there's a, a couple uh, basic principles, um, just to just reestablish them that you probably already know. <coughs> So when we're speaking of Ahl sunnah wal-Jama'ah, just like we discussed in class, I think it was yesterday, um, or over the past semester, um, so in Sunni thought, uh, we take our Islam from the companions. It's all coming from the Quran, the Prophet, peace be upon him, but where do we hear about what the Prophet said and did? It's from the companions, right? In Shia tradition, it's from those specific people that are designated as Imams. Now, those people who are designated as imams are also revered in Sunni thought. Um, Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, Hassan Imam, Hassan Imam Hussein. For us, they are not just fan of the Prophet, they're also companions. You know, peace be upon the Prophet, may Allah be pleased with them. And so, <clears throat> uh, what this also means is that the lowest of the companions is still higher than anything any of us can ever reach. And part of it is because they're seeing the Prophet, peace be upon him, face-to-face. Yeah. But also, what are we saying about the companions? That the Prophet, peace be upon him, his effect on them is so great that they are so loyal to him. Yeah. And that's why the munafiqun, the hypocrites, are even more serious at the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Because, you know, <clears throat> when we think of the kafirs at the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, um, think of the situation they're in. They have the best possible da'i in history, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and they know him inside and out. Okay. They have the Qur'an in their language, okay. and they're still saying no. Okay. And in the same way, think about how bizarre the munafiqun are. You know, may Allah tell protects all, I'll protect us from any of that. But... Uh, uh, the munafiqun uh, basically are uh, in some cases worse because they're claiming to follow the Prophet, peace be upon him. And so, so, um, uh, so the companions uh, for us are a very, very special class of people. In Shia tradition, uh, it's almost as though the humanity or the flaws of the companions are extra emphasized. That's why you find uh, Sunnis, you know, very, very, uh, get very, very sensitive about how others speak about the companions. One of it, one issue is just adab, respect for the companions, right, in the way we would speak about our parents and such. And one of it is a disagreement um, about about how Islam is understood, right? Um, but the point here being that he says the spirit, the greatest spiritual masters cannot reach the lowest levels of the companions. Okay. Um, 
And so we do have recordings of this of sins of some of the companions. And what's very fascinating, in most cases, the companion's name won't be mentioned mm-hmm. out of Adab. So you'll have this person who comes to the Prophet, uh, peace be upon him, and he'll say, I did such and such. The Prophet will reflexively turn away because, I mean, his repulsion from sin was so great that even if he heard the mention of a sin, he would turn away. But the Hadith won't mention the name of the Prophet, uh, the, of the companion, right? Um, and so, <clears throat> so then he is saying that whatever sins the companions committed were destined for them as far as we're concerned. Okay, so just like we said, everything that the Prophet, peace upon him, did was perfect, even his mistakes were perfect. Or another way to frame that, everything that he did was a lesson. Even his mistakes were a lesson. Okay. Now, the companions commit sins because they're human beings. Um, but as far as we are concerned, those are also lessons for us. Okay. They will help be held to account uh, for, for you know, the choices they made in their lives. Um, and so Allah knows best. There are some people who we're told uh, are guaranteed paradise, Ashara Mubashara, Ahl al-Badr, so forth and so on. Um, but the fact that those sins are recorded, usually without their names, becomes also a lesson for us. Okay. I believe that whatever the, what, that whatever sins the companions of the Allah on whom committed were just destined for them, and that they were destined to commit sins in order to perfect the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These blessed souls surrendered, surrendered their whole lives in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as if to say, perfect the pure sharia, we are willing to be stoned, having our head, have our hands cut off, and throw ourselves in the way of anything to fulfill this noble cause. In my view, the ayah, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم فأولئك يبدل الله سيئاتهم حسنات then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will replace the evils of such people by good deeds and the hadith of repentance in which it is narrated that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say on the day of judgment convert every bad deed into a good deed is about that mm-hmm. heavy duty yeah huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so <laughs> we're having another one of those moments <laughs> where you just have to say subhanallah <laughs> And so we hope that we will also be like this, where Allah will convert our bad deeds into good deeds. You know, but, yeah. <laughs> For whatever reason. <laughs> For so, them it was perfecting the deal. I'm sorry? For them it was perfecting the deal. Yeah, exactly. For <laughs> and for us it's hopefully, you know, we'll get Rahmah because of the deen of Allah or something. You know? Yeah, so so that was the dedication of of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And so, so what happens when you contrast Sunni and Shia? Uh, Shias will often see themselves as defenders of the family of the Prophet, mm-hmm. peace specifically Imam Hussein. May Allah be pleased with him. Sunnis will say that the Prophet, peace be upon him, was so great that he even transformed the Sahaba that much, that even that they were so dedicated to the perfection of, of, uh, um, of the Sharia that even their sins became part of this. Right? I mean, that's how the, the, the Sunni development of law, mm-hmm. it comes from, from not just the Prophet, peace be upon him, but how did the companions themselves conduct themselves. Okay, let's continue. Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu narrates that the Blessed Prophet وسلم, said, a man will be brought before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the Day of Judgment. This hadith does not refer to a specific individual, but to a class of people who will be all dealt in the same manner. This is confirmed in another hadith where we find the word people. Nas, used instead of the word na, uh, man, Rajul. 
The angels will be ordered to read out to him his small sins without mentioning his major sins. He will be informed that he committed such and such sin on such and such day, and this and that sin on such and such day. In this way, he will be forced to admit all his minor sins. In his heart, though, he will he is more worried about his major sins being revealed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then say, change all his sin, sins to good deeds. At that moment, he will say, oh my Lord, but I have other sins that I do not see here. <laughs> So what is, what is special about this, right? This person, even on the Day of Judgment, is trying to hide his sins. Okay? And what else is taking place, or this class of people, uh, what else is taking place is that this person is being that honest on the Day of Judgment that, that uh, he's saying or they're saying, okay, there's other sins that I've done, right? Because on the Day of Judgment, there's going to be some people who are going to say to Allah, you know, please uh, send me back, you know, uh, give me another chance. There's going to be some people who will sort of believe that they're telling the truth, but they're actually going to be told that they're lying, right? That's the famous hadith of the, of the shaheed, the philanthropist, and the scholar. And each person is going to be asked, what did you do for me? And the scholar will say, I earned and gained knowledge and spread it. And then that person will be told, you're a liar. You only did this so that people get impressed by your knowledge. The philanthropist, what did you do? Uh, I, I spread wealth in your cause, and that person will be told, you're a liar. <coughs> you just wanted people to think that you are generous. And then the shaheed, I gave the biggest thing uh, a person could give. You're a liar. You only did this so people say you're brave. right? So there will be people who will intentionally or unintentionally try to mislead. This person is being brutally honest and knows that, all right, if they share the sins, they go to hell. And yet this person is being that honest. Mm -hmm. So, mashallah. I don't know if I would have that strength on the Day of Judgment. I think I might be too full of fear, but inshallah, may Allah Ta'ala turn, turn all of our bad deeds into good deeds. Sayyidina Abu Dhar says, I, was, I saw the Blessed Prophet وسلم, smiling, the front of his beautiful teeth showing when he narrated this part of the hadith. Mm -hmm. In another hadith, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah narrates that the Blessed Prophet said, On the Day of Judgment, some people will wish they had committed many sins in this world. The companions asked, Who are these people? They are the people whose sins will be converted into good deeds. He replied. <laughs> so think about this. There's, there's a famous story, I mean it could be a legend. Uh, there's this king who's trying to break this one Muslim. Okay? It might be from before the time of the Prophet, please be upon him. And he can't do anything. Okay? He's torturing him. And he can't break him. And then the king decides, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop this person in a vat of burning hot oil. And he's going to die. And as, uh, as the, the, the Muslim is getting lower, the Muslim starts crying. And the king goes, ha, I've broken you. And the Muslim goes, no. He goes, uh, I'm realizing that... Um, you know, I'm giving up my life for Allah. I wish I could do this six more times. <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, that's the level of Iman a person can reach. Right? And so these people, when they see all of their bad deeds con uh, being converted to good deeds, they're thinking, subhanAllah, if that's what was going to happen, then uh, it's, it's like a strange paradox, right? Then I wish I could have done more sins, right? Okay, continue. <clears throat> we should remember that the conversion of sins to good deeds on the Day of Judgment is like the example of a pres president 
granting clemency to a criminal. Though he has the power to overrule an order of execution, even if the murderer is being led to the death of ch to the death chamber at the time, no one else thinks of committing the same crime and hoping for clemency from the president. Oh, However, the companions of the Allahuan are an exception to this rule. I have full faith in that all the companions of the Allahuan will be granted forgiveness only because the hadith which narrate their excellent excellence and greatness in Deen prove that they are most deserving of it. Okay, so finishing this point and then recapping this whole section. So what else is part of the companions? They are doing everything that they can. And at times, yeah, they are falling short. And so thus they're making tawbah. Okay. And they have such an understanding of reality that they're realizing that, okay, even the sin that I committed, I have to seek tawbah for it. Uh, and, and they also have thorough uh, belief in the rahmah of Allah. Not in the sense that they deserve the rahmah of Allah, but that Allah Ta'ala is full of rahmah. Right? And so, so the point being that this is also, all of these things, we have certain attributes of the companions. So going all the way back to the beginning of this section, one is the ranking of the companions compared to all the rest of the believers. Right? And why? Um, Part of it is the greatness of the companion, and a bigger part of it is the greatness of the prophet, peace be upon him. And, and both of those are sort of the same point, that, you know, sometimes people get philosophical and they ask, okay, did Allah make uh, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, the prophet because he's so good, or is he so good because Allah Ta'ala made him the prophet? Okay, it's an irrelevant question. It's the same thing. And so Allah Ta'ala put the best of generation with the prophet, peace be upon him. And he is accepting them as the best of generations. And then, <clears throat> and so, then when we're saying whatever sins they committed, that was destined for them. And this is true for everybody in history, that every sin from our perspective, every sin that's committed by everybody in history, that was destined as far as we're concerned. Okay? But for the companions, it was destined to become a lesson. Right? And what was their dedication? Do whatever it takes for the sharia to be perfected. Because who are like you know who are the hudud punishments being committed against? It's against companions, right? So even that, that inshallah their bad deeds are converted convert into, into good. And then continuing along, <coughs> then we have what is this? Uh, this next hadith. Um, yeah. So then we have the brutal honesty. That they have reached a point where they're even ready to be honest before Allah on the day of judgment, even if it means more trouble for them. Mm -hmm. Because the honesty is greater, is a greater priority. Okay. It's just like, I mean, think about it from the perspective that, all right, let's say you didn't do your homework, and you tell the teacher, and you didn't do four homework assignments, the teacher notices two. Okay. So they are realizing truth is that much more important. Mm -hmm. So they're saying, no, I didn't do these other two also. Even over their own punishment. Sorry? Even over their own punishment. Even they're over their own punishment. That is a true understanding of priorities. And that is how important haq is. Right, and then this hadith of the Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, or all these are hadith that there are those people that we just spoke about who, if they knew that their bad was going to be converted into good, then they wish that they did more bad. Obviously, they don't wish that they did more bad; they hope for more good. Okay? And what they're probably actually even hoping for, they're probably even hoping for more rahmah. Mm -hmm. So if if all these bad deeds were a source of rahmah, or were what Allah uh, then used to give me rahmah, then I wish I did more so I could have more rahmah from Allah. Okay? So what are we getting a sense? Like we said like uh, the other day, this is sort of really good Islam 101. 
this is also the 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 case here, right? Okay, let's see how much uh, time we have. Okay, let's do this next one. Um, you have time still, right? Let's do two incidents of forgiveness. <coughs> Once Sayyidina Ma'ith uh, Ma yeah. uh, committed adultery. Okay, so here's the case where we have the name. Yeah. He came to the Blessed Prophet وسلم, and said, O Blessed Prophet, وسلم, purify me. The Blessed Prophet وسلم, said, Go ask for forgiveness and repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He walked a short dis distance, was overwhelmed with guilt, and returned to the Blessed Prophet وسلم, and asked again to be purified. The Blessed Prophet وسلم, replied as before. <clears throat> In this manner, the Blessed Prophet وسلم, advised him to repent and beg for forgiveness three times. On the fourth time, the Blessed Prophet وسلم, ordered, according to the rule of Sharia, that he be stoned to death. After his execution, two companions, radiallahu anhum, said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hid his sins, but he revealed them and died like a dog. The Blessed Prophet وسلم, heard them, but remained silent. After a short while, they saw the carcass of a donkey. His stomach was bloated and his leg jutted upwards. The Blessed Prophet وسلم, called out, Where is so-and-so person calling the two men he had heard previously? They said, We are here. The Blessed Prophet وسلم, pointing towards the carcass, said, Eat from this carcass. How can anyone eat from this, they asked. The Blessed Prophet وسلم, retorted, Your backbiting of your brother is worse than eating from this carcass. I swear by the one who, in whose hands is my life, he is swimming in the rivers of paradise at this moment. Right. So, <clears throat> uh, this is, is very straightforward, but what can be understood from this, that the Prophet, this person is saying, okay, purify me, which means... Purify the sin out of me, which means give me the punishment. And the Prophet, peace be upon him, saying, go and seek tawbah, right? Or go uh, uh, do tawbah. And then he comes back, again, go do tawbah, right? It's, it's almost as though the Prophet, peace be upon him, is turning him away. And this person is saying, I committed this crime. Uh, I, have to, I have to pay the price. Okay. And, and let's think about what he's saying. I've committed this crime. That means I have to go. I have to die now, because okay? that's the punishment. The punishment is that he gets stoned to death. Okay? And so, whatever it is that led him to commit the sin, a'udhu billah. Uh, then, once he realized it, he thought, "Okay, I'm done." And part of his pain is probably that he risks not being in the company of the Prophet anymore. Mm -hmm. Peace be upon him. Part of his pain is that he can no longer serve Allah anymore. He's done. Uh, but then the Prophet Yisrael says, now he's swimming in the rivers of paradise, literally at this moment, yeah. because he paid for his sin. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you see the story about the, the other companions, um, and it's interesting that um, the other companions are using a, a very logical point. They said, Allah hid his sins, why did he reveal them? Okay. But that's not what they're saying. Allah hid his sins, why did he reveal them and now have this humiliation? Mm -hmm. okay. So it's almost like they're saying, why did he allow himself to have this humiliation? Okay. And so the point is that um, uh, even the worst humiliation of dunya is, is better than humiliation in akhirah. Mm. Even the lightest humiliation in akhirah. Right? And so what they actually did was just, um, if they only said, we don't understand why it's better for, them, for him to share his sin, um, that's one thing. But instead, it was almost like they're insulting him. Sure. Okay, continue. Likewise, <clears throat> once a man from the Ghamidi tribe 
came to before the Blessed Prophet with the same request. She said, O Blessed Prophet please purify me. The Blessed Prophet told her to return, repent, and beg for forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. She said, O Blessed Prophet you want to turn me back as you did to Ma'ad I swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I am not I am pregnant by adultery. The Blessed Prophet ﷺ responded, You cannot be stoned until you deliver your child deliver the child. When she delivered the child, she'd returned to the Blessed Prophet ﷺ and said, O Blessed Prophet, ﷺ, I have delivered the child, please purify me. He said, Breastfeed the child until it is weaned. After she weaned the child, she returned holding the child in her hands. The child had a piece of bread in his hand hands. She said, The child is now eating bread. The Blessed Prophet ﷺ ordered she be stoned to death. Sayyidina Khalid was amongst the stoners. When some blood spurted on his cheek, a curse came from his mouth. The Blessed Prophet chided him, saying, Do not say such things. Her repentance is such that if a tax collector made such a repentance, it would have sufficed him. Okay, so again, the story is very straightforward. You know, you know I have committed uh, zina, and I'm pregnant, and the Prophet is going to keep sending her away to do talba, right? And she's saying, okay, what you wanted, what you did with Maiz, you're doing with me now. You know, radiallahu anhuma. And, and so he is giving an explanation, saying that, all right, okay, deliver the child first. Okay. And then wean the child, meaning breastfeed. And then she comes back, and so now he's no longer uh, drinking milk. Now he's eating. Okay, so now he's, he's all set. And then he said, okay, now it's time for, 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 for the stoning. Now think about what could have happened in her case as well as the previous case. They could have just run away, uh, but they didn't. They keep coming back saying, "This is what I deserve." Right? And for people outside of this paradigm, this seems preposterous and barbaric. And we're saying, once again, the worst of dunya is still better than the least of jahannam. Okay. And that's what they understood very, very quickly. And this is part of the greatness of, of the Sahaba. Okay. okay, continue. And this is even after like committing adultery when somebody would nowadays be like, oh my god, you know. Yeah. Would totally like take them outside of like yeah. anywhere close to uh, even close to Allah. But yeah. these people are probably like like I said before, they're even those who are lower than them are the best in our best mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so there were these sins among them. And and so, you know, we might call these, you know, different types of crimes of passion. Right, that for whatever reason a person got too close to the fire, and then they burnt themselves, right, and then they came to their senses, and then they are, so to speak, adult enough to accept the punishment, right, and yeah, this is uh, uh, really really important. Okay, the next one. In a similar incident, Sayyidina Umar said, "Are we to offer her funeral funeral prayer?" Even though she was an adulteress, the Blessed Prophet ﷺ said, replied, She has made such repentance that if distributed among 70 men of Medina, it would suffice them all. What bigger repentance can there be that she gave her life? Mm-hmm. And so yeah, this is, I think, a narration that we're often taught, right? That her tawbah was so huge that it would have granted, you know, Mabafira forgiveness for 70 people in Medina. Right? And, and so it's very easy to define people according to their sins, it's better to define people according to their iman uh, in whatever way we can. And, and so your tawbah is a very strong indicator of your iman. Let's we'll stop right here because, again, like we've got to take all this big, heavy stuff in. 
small doses, inshallah. Any questions or thoughts? Okay. This is the power of, this is the importance of the, the Sahaba. If any of the Sahaba fell short a little bit, uh, I'm sure they had the understanding that this would have consequences for the next, you know, 5,000 years. And think about that. This is something that often weighs me down, that with the way uh, development of Islam in America, whatever our generation, which includes the elders, my, ge my generation, your generation, whatever we do or don't do, we'll have 100 years at least of, of impact in terms of Islam in this society. Okay. That includes what I do. That includes what I don't do. Okay, okay inshallah. So, so you feel deflated again? <laughs> This should, this should be deflating in the sense of humbling, but it should also, also be reminders and inspiring, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That, okay, whatever sins I've committed. So let's say I, whatever sins I've committed the last 24 hours, okay? Number one, I can't give up hope, uh, and I can't punish myself too hard. Um, and I have to understand that, okay, the sin is done. Now to seek forgiveness uh, because the... Uh, the Akhira is much more as serious as dunya is, Akhira is much more serious. All right, we'll stop here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubu ilayk. Wa akhir da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.